Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Stevenson, and my guest today is Emma Edwards. She's a four-star eventer, and she's ridden around badminton. I think sometimes we get the impression that you need a lot of money, a lot of financial backing to be able to make it to the top level. And in Emma's case, she didn't have any money. She didn't have any funding, and she didn't get much support either. So Emma's going to explain her story that through hard work and dedication, you really can make it. This is Horse Hour. hope you're well. My guest today is Emma Edwards. She's a four-star eventer that's competed at badminton and Burley. Emma, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I, I did see your Facebook post and, and I found it fascinating because you wrote this lengthy, it's almost like a blog, you wrote this <laughs> lengthy blog on what it's taken for you to get to the four-star level from, you know, when you first started to uh, your ups and your downs and the difficulty that you had and the fact that you've done it by yourself with no money just pushing through trying your hardest so I'd love for you to share your story with us today yeah sure um it's been quite an adventure I must say I don't know do you want me to start from the beginning yeah let's start let's start from the very beginning like when did you first get into horses oh gosh well I think I got very young but I didn't have my own horse or pony um but I was horse obsessed (laughs) um did you read um you uh was it your pony or horse and pony magazine i remember this horse called frankie um and he was on the front cover of this magazine for years and i always had a picture of him on my wall when i was about 11 i honestly don't remember i i kind of has a little bit my own person so i i was aware of horses but i wasn't aware of the whole magazines and things like that Mm. i just loved horses like i was I think it was when I was five, I said I was going to run away to the new forest and go and live with all the ponies. Um, And then I couldn't get a horse, so I managed to persuade my parents to let me get some riding school lessons. Um, Obviously, we couldn't do them that regular, so I used to go down and muck out and do whatever, clean tack, lead horses in and out, you know, get a few free rides here and there. Um, And then I used to do this, I think my parents thought I was insane, which is, I think, why they finally decided to sort of just get me a pony um oh. I used to I don't know if you've seen it but I've seen someone else do it on Facebook I used to count around on my hands and feet <laughs> and I used yeah. to make a little course in the back garden and I used to count around and pretend I was a horse so I think that was the final straw I think my parents <laughs> thought I was losing the plot um and that I managed to get them to buy me a pony when I was nine but them not being horsey at all they bought me this, because um, obviously they, 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 it was like the blind leading the blind. I just said, I want a pony and they don't know anything. So we ended up with this 
fat Welsh section B um, that had been broken, well, I think, about five years ago. And then they literally left it wild on a, on a hill. Oh, um, no. So we, we managed to get it quite cheaply. But um, obviously, I, it was quite of a learning curve for me. But, but it, it taught me how to ride and to how to deal with ponies properly because obviously it had other issues like you know, it didn't tie up, wouldn't stand still and, and just general things like that. And I mean, I was only nine. Um, and so I kind of had to take charge, really, and tell my parents, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is um, hard for a youngster because parents, they, they want their child to be safe um, and they want to do the best for them. But I guess that's when you don't know, where do you go? You have to go to the instructor, really, don't you, for advice of what type of horse to get? Yeah, I suppose now, if, if I was to have my own child, obviously I, I would know what I was looking for or... Although I know a lot of people take professionals with them and things like that. But back then it was just me and my parents. I said I wanted a pony. So I think they just thought, oh, we'll just get any pony. I suppose it didn't even occur to them that it needed to be trained or anything like that. They just, that'll do. It's the right price. There's your pony. And I think, to be honest, I think they thought that would be the end of it. I think they thought, we'll get her a pony and she'll be fine. But um, that was only the beginning. (laughs) Bless them. So from that point then, you were you were riding and you had your, what was your pony called? It was called Pip. Oh, and you had Pip. At what point, what age was it that you thought, I would like to do this as a career? And I'm not just going to, you know, ride in the garden and go to a few competitions. I'm going to go and try and tackle the biggest courses in the world. I tell you what started it all for me. And again, it's very sad. Um, I watched international velvet i don't know if you know oh, that film yes yeah love it yes <laughs> me and my friends used to sit and we used to watch it pretty much five times a week um <laughs> and, we, and then and that's why i wanted to get into eventing after that because i was like that's what i want to do and i like the story you know she saved up and had a little pocket of money you know in her little tin and things and that was what i started doing i just started saving my money and the pony i had i mean it was it was what it was it wasn't anything special i used to manage to finally get it round to sort of jumping some sort of three foot jumps at like the local gymkhanas and things but it was never going to be a a world beater mm-hmm. um but then very luckily I managed to well I don't know I think it was fate I don't because again we weren't really looking we didn't know what we were looking for we managed to find a very good pony and I mean it was it was getting on a bit it was 15 but um we managed to buy and it was only 500 pounds so my parents were like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and it just happened to be experienced. And it was the first experienced pony I've had. So I was actually able to go out and for the first time be competitive. Wow. Um, and I mean, we were still in our, you know, our old clapped out trailer. You know, my dad would never come to competitions and things like that. And if he did, he'd sit and mope in the car, you know, that sort of thing. And I was in my, you know, my secondhand jodhpurs from the saddlery, you know, and my my school shirt and my tie and whatever we had, you know, my old jacket that was like probably three sizes too big. I probably looked quite ridiculous, but we used to go out and we used to, we used to win, you know, most things we entered, we, we, we used to go out and win. And that was suddenly I was like, Oh, actually I can do it. And again, I still wasn't really getting any training or instruction. We did do the odd pony club thing, but again, that didn't really appeal to me. I don't know why at the time. Mm. Um, I don't know I guess I didn't I didn't always didn't feel like I fitted in at Pony Club because I don't know I was always the scruff (laughs) (laughs) how did you get then so you're riding and um, and you're winning everything with no training which is amazing what was your next step from from that point 
after that, um, obviously my pony got pretty old, so she was sort of decided to retire her. And I had a few lone horses um, in between, but sort of only had them for maybe six months or so. That um, obviously people had seen me riding my pony so well and, and thought, oh, we'll let her have. But um, I didn't get my major, my best horse until I was 14, 15, I think. Um, and it was an ex race horse. Because obviously now I was I was like right this is what I want to do I want to go eventing so, and I'd watched a lot of TV and saw that thoroughbreds were the in thing at the time. It's obviously changed quite a lot now um, with breeding and things. But um, so we went out and, and got a an ex racehorse um, and he was about sixteen three. So I pretty much came off a fourteen two to a sixteen three, oh which gosh. probably isn't normal. I think normally people like to have an in between size, but um, so it was quite a jump for me to get on that big horse and obviously he was an ex-racehorse so I don't know if you've ever had an ex-racehorse and I'm sure everyone no, knows I'm not brave enough to have an ex-racehorse <laughs> I'm not even brave enough to have a thoroughbred <laughs> well they're quite difficult well they're, I mean some are easier than others but um obviously they need to be retrained because they've obviously been trained to work a certain way so there's a, a lot to retrain their muscles and the way that they go um things like that and a lot of them can be quite excitable because obviously they, they just learn to they hit the grass they're like well I must gallop they're not all like that some are quite quiet and sensible but um so it was a big big jump from a, a, po- a 14 2 pony that had that had been trained well and schooled well um to something that needed it had some basic training um but it was still a big step for me mm. and in the beginning I know two ways about it I I I was really struggling really struggling and I did I did get some help with him um from a local instructor but even she said to me you're not going to be able to ride this horse in fact she didn't think I'd ever be able to ride this horse and then you know know, I would take him to my pony club rallies and things like that and I think that was the general opinion (laughs) because of what was Emma got she'll never ride that um but because um, it wasn't just he was big, he was he was talented, and I don't know. I was pure luck that we managed to find this talented horse because, uh, yeah, I did, still didn't really know what we were looking for. Um, so it was just a case of um, hard work, really, and I didn't have access to, to like professionals and things like that. So I, I just had to find another way, and it was just pure through trial and error. Um, I would watch videos i'd watch badminton you know i'd record it and then re- replay it about 10 million times mm-hmm. um i'd go and watch shows and, and like go and watch people warming in and then going into the competition and, and seeing how they did it and then just going back home and thinking right this works that doesn't and i mean it was a hard two years i i i, I need i need it nearly made me give up because you know i would go to my show and um i was getting eliminated there's no two ways about it i was going and i was first fence three refusals out and I would literally mm. go home in tears and I'd be like I just I can't I can't do it yeah. and and so it took me probably two years of sort of getting a few oh yeah I think I might be getting there and they were not and then finally we managed to get it together and then I decided I wanted to start B eventing um we did our first because back then they didn't have the intros in the 80s and the 90s and things like that so you went straight in at a 100 level wow um and so when i did that and i think we came sixth at our first b and oh, i was well like woohoo did that so we ticked along a little bit of that and then i decided to go novice 
And Before it... you got to that stage, though, were there any times when you're, well, you're lucky that you didn't lose your confidence so much that you, you wanted to never do it again? You wanted to give up? Well, I nearly did. Um, I was very touch and go, you know, and I used to go and because um, I didn't have so my, my parents, although they're lovely and they're amazing, I, I don't think they really understood the need in me to want to achieve what I wanted to achieve mm. so I, I didn't have a lot I was dealing with it quite a lot on my own in my own head and I really had to have words with myself about it and just to get through really because you know we, we although my parents were, we weren't poor um we weren't rich either but we were sort of the middle ground you know my mm. my parents weren't um at that point I don't think they realized how important it was to me um and so the money was just wasn't there for me to go and train with William Fox Pitt or whoever mm. like that so it was just just really just me in my field on my I mean we didn't have facilities you know we just had a field a stable I managed to get three show jumps for my birthday one year you know just like the old wooden ones you used to get yeah so I just had three jumps a field um my far if I did money of my fast work it would be up the local bridal way you know up a hill um and that was it really and if it was raining you got on with it and if it was too hard I used to stand for an hour with a hose to hose the ground in front of the fences so that I could jump on the hard ground Um, and you learned all this from watching videos and just watching the big shows on tv yeah yeah I used to drive my parents nuts because I would record (laughs) anything and everything that was on tv and then I would replay it replay it but that's amazing that's I think that's incredible and quite often I'm saying to kids like I've learned loads from going to all the events and like you said being in the warm-up ring and just watching and taking it in and I've been saying to the youngsters at the local riding schools now get to a show if you can I'll take you you know if you haven't got the money to go I will take you with me because you can learn so much from watching the riders and and the grooms and how they look after the horses and how they how they brush them how they keep them calm how they tackle a fence and I think it's incredible Emma that you you got that far just from watching tv and watching videos it's amazing yeah I mean I did have a you know like the old pony club rally that sort of thing Mm. and you know if I could then we'd go and have a, a a lesson you know maybe like once every couple of months something like that so I did have a little bit of input but actually I found it more helpful doing it the other way because I just had a very clear vision of what worked and what didn't work for my horse. Because he was an ex-racehorse, mm. there was a I kind of I figured a certain way I had to ride him and jump him specifically, and it probably maybe wasn't the the ideal. Um, I don't know if you if you were to go to a now and say this is the way you should ride that horse to a fence. I probably found my own little way, and I mean it wasn't bad it was just a certain way I had to ride him otherwise he probably would stop mm-hmm. <laughs> so I used to um kind of shy away from some some lessons things like that because I didn't want to change because it was working at the time um so I did have a li- little bit of input but mostly it was just my own pure sheer determination just to I'm gonna learn this and it's gonna work looking back do you ever think Emma that was really dangerous probably yes 
Well, how did you hang on to that point? And are there moments that you thought, actually, now, now knowing what you know, which is always easy in hindsight, isn't it? Thinking, I probably put myself in some situations that were a little bit too risky. How do I think now? Um, I don't know. I mean, when you're younger, you're everything's so less scary, isn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, now I probably wouldn't even dream of doing half the things I used to do. <laughs> um, but danger-wise, I don't know. I... I didn't take too many risks. I was always quite sensible about what I was doing. I really like that you found your own way. And um, and I believe in coaches that, that teach their students to find the right way for their horse and try different techniques. So rather than going to an instructor that says, Emma, you can't do that anymore. Like, that's not the right way. Duh, 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 duh. And you're sat there going, but it's right for my horse. I think a coach that says, just tweak this little bit or maybe just come in at this angle. Let's try trial and error a few things that then you find a suitable pattern for you and your horse. But it sounds like um, because you had to find your own way, you got to know your horse really well, you got a good bond with them, and you got to feel the movements more, which I found quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, I definitely found my own way. Um, and obviously, as this particular horse went up through the levels, obviously, once we started doing really well, because I mean, I got him to advanced level, in a BE eventing in the end. And of course, then obviously I started getting noticed and then that actually gave me access to more training mm-hmm. um, because then I got part of the young riders system and things like that where you would get the training for free. Um, and I find that quite hard because obviously I would go there and my horse had been going a certain way for however many years now with me. Um, and of course, then suddenly someone out of the blue would go, no, that's not how you should do it. And I found that quite difficult. And in fact, I did actually walk out of one young rider training session because really? I didn't, I didn't agree um, because their opinion was that every horse should go the same. And my opinion was that every horse is different. And this is what works for my horse. And he's jumping clear and he's being placed. I mean, he was being placed at international level against the names, you know, the big names. Um, and so I was like well why do I need to change this Um, because I I did I did try I said okay fine I'll try what you're saying Hmm. but I could feel it wasn't working and he was starting to not feel the horse and I I just didn't agree so I actually said look look, look, that's fine but I'm going to leave it because I don't want to change my horse uh, at this point Hmm. Um, but I just don't believe, I think every horse is different. And I think you have to ride every horse differently. You know, some like to go in a slightly bigger canter. Some like to be held a little bit more, a little bit more collected. Uh, they all have jumping, different jumping techniques. Some like to jump a little bit deeper. Some like to stand off a fence. And, you know, as he was an ex-hurdler, he he like had to come, probably come in and maybe a stronger canter and like to take off a little bit further off. Mm. Um, and, I mean, it was still, it didn't look, it didn't look bad it just wasn't what was being trained at, at the time you know um and so that was that really but he still carried on and went on and and did well so <laughs> I hold I hold that I was right even though I yeah. might have been wrong <laughs> no, well you know it's you know your individual horse it's a big thing for you to to have the confidence to stand up and say no no I I appreciate and respect what you're saying and I've given it a go but actually, my horse is, is going better. He feels better this way. Um, and I'm interested to know why they wanted every horse to go the same. You know, what was it that they wanted to change about your horse? 
Um, well, I, I think it was just that person's ideal that every horse should be able to go the same. You know, you should be able to come in the same canter, the same rhythm, the same pace, you know, the same. Um, and it was a very traditional kind of more show jumping way of going. Mm. Um which just, just just didn't suit that particular horse. I've just got it, visions. I'm sorry. I've just got visions of you going flat out gallop. Oh no, no, it, it wasn't <laughs> flat out. Yeah. Hi ho, silver. See that stride? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't anything like that. Um, um, it was just it was just a stronger canter um, because he was um, he was because he was a, he was a failed hurdler because he was too careful. He mm. they want because obviously hurdling they want them to go fast and flat. Mm. Well, as what he used to do is back off, and then he was—he didn't like to touch anything, so he would back off and then do a big bascule, oh. which made him very careful, um, not for hurdling. So he was quite—he was a wuss. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> so, and I mean, and this is something I had to learn. So he had to come in in a certain way, mm. or he would stop. And he was like that all the way through. You know, if I had to be on my game every fence. Um, especially ditches drops into water things like that and if I was off my game I knew he still had that stop in him because he was just a little bit wussy um, mm. but I mean it made him very careful on the final day for the show jumping because even if he was tired he's like I'm not touching anything but if you came in too pretty to collect to you know nice stellar the show jumpy he potentially had had a stop in him and because I knew this, that's why I was very reluctant to change anything. Mm. I was like, if it's if it's not broken, don't fix it. Basically, mm. and it looked nice. I mean, I you know, um, it was doing the job. So, and he was a very good dressage horse. He was always in top three. Wow! I could always rely on him. He was big, flashy, thoroughbred. Probably he probably actually was the best horse I've had. But obviously, back then I didn't know what I know now, and. Um, it was a quite a rare find, I think. Actually, um, did you get did you get stick for for being slightly different? Um, I just, probably, <laughs> probably. Um, I'm used to being different. I think I am a little bit different. Um, and I think I was I was an outsider. That I, I know I was an outsider because I didn't. I suddenly appeared. You know, because my parents aren't horsey, we don't have a horsey background, and a lot of, especially when I got in the young rider environment, a lot of the people I was with, and I mean, I'm not saying all, because there was the few like me that sort of just got there and managed to find that that nice one horse. Luckily, um, but a lot of them are from family backgrounds where you know they've got history to them. They their mothers have been in the teams, or their sisters have been in the teams, mm. you know, and they were well known. And then suddenly, I appeared with my my ex racehorse and my Bangalore with my parents that had absolutely nothing about horses. Um, and I, I think I was, a, I was an outsider. No, but I think I just kind of got, I was like, well, you're going to look at me because I'm going to go and I'm going to win. So mm. you're going to have to put me in the team or the squad because <laughs> I'm going to beat everybody else. <laughs> um, and and, that was and it, really. did you? Yeah, we did generally. Um, we did, um, we got some really good placings and yeah, we did get on the squad. Wow. We got on the European squad in 2000. Um, oh my goodness, so, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I, it, it was, I was, again, I, I didn't realise at the time because I don't, like if you look back on it now, I think, oh my God, I did that. But at the time I was just like, 
I was so intent on that as what I wanted to do mm. um, that I just, it was so matter of fact in my head that I was like, well, if, at the time I was like, well, of course I got here because that was my aim. But now I look <laughs> back at it and I think, how did I manage to do that? But um, yeah, it, it was good. It was a good experience. But I mean, even then, even in the, the team, and I mean, I still felt a little bit of an outsider. Do you think that was that was just ingrained in you at that point, though, because you felt like an outsider for so long? Um, I don't know. I mean, little. I mean, maybe, maybe. I maybe I I'd put up a little bit of a wall because I was so used to being the the outsider that had to prove herself. Mm. Um, um. But I, you know, silly things like when everyone did their dressage. You know, nobody came to watch my dressage. Bar, bar the, the obviously the trainer, the team trainer, things like that, that that would be there. But like none of the team or the other people came to watch my dressage, as I don't think they generally expected me to do so well. But we actually were third overnight after dressage. But who cares if they didn't expect you to do so well? Part of being in a team is that you support each other. Yeah, well, I don't know. I just, I don't. I, that, that that was quite a big thing for me. I was. Um, and then it was quite a shock suddenly it was like oh Emma's in third <laughs> you know yeah. but yeah no I just I just did that's and I was just like well that sort of said it all really you know mm. I wasn't expected maybe not by I, uh, I mean the team the um, selectors obviously obviously thought I was good enough to be there but maybe I think maybe the other people there that were riding maybe didn't didn't expect anything of me but but isn't it so different now where you, you've got the likes of Oliver Townend, who's who's obviously, you know, very open saying, I've come from a working background. You know, I buy and I have to sell horses to be able to pay for my career and pay for the yeah. other stuff. You know, it, it's it's there's a lot more pride in people that have to work really hard for it and people that don't come from that elite background. Do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's a lot more people coming through and, and full credit to them, you know. You know, there's a lot of people out there that, that are still waiting to get that catch ride because they've had to sell their top horse to get to the next level or keep going. Um, and that's how they stay afloat. You know, they've got they've produced that horse all the way through and then they've had to sell it mm. to someone else to to carry on. Um, but, yeah, there, there is a, a lot more pride in, in people that have really had to work work hard for it so after the europeans what happened then after then i i lost that horse to colic oh no um literally i did the europeans and i was all obviously once you're in in the sort of you get into that click that training they sort of have you all because it was my first year at young riders so i obviously still had another year to go i could have done young riders the next year so they kind of had you all sort of um, pre-prep for training for next year for potential selection in the year four but no I lost him to colic that boxing day Christmas boxing day oh no unfortunately um which was very sad um but and so then I was back to square one pretty much because uh, obviously they, they did say to me if you can find a replacement then we'll consider you for next year mm. but uh, you know a, a horse jumping that level that's way that was way out of our budget so I did try and see if I could get like a lone horse or a catch ride you know like but we just weren't lucky enough to find anything that was suitable so so I just I just had to sort of wait really and just accept that that you know I, I was lucky to have done what I did and 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 maybe just 
take a little bit of time to find something else. Really. Oh, it's like a movie. It's Heartbreak like a movie. At the end. Yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> well, well, what did you do? Because this was in 2000, but in 2007, you competed at badminton. Yes. Um, I, I, I did have a few horses here and there, but they, they weren't obviously good enough because I mean finding a horse that could potentially go or to that level is mm. is pretty difficult I mean it's difficult for the guys at the top to find one um let alone um finding something that's in a budget um it, they're kind of they're kind of freaks of nature anyway aren't they the top event horses you can't just go out and think oh, I'll buy a four-star event horse so it, it took a while but eventually I managed to I put an advert actually in Horse and Hound did you? Um, for a ride or some rides. And this lady rang me um, from Norfolk. And I mean, we were in uh, Dorset at the time, oh. um, Chapter Mallet area. Um, so it was about, she was about five hours away. So initially she... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. She rang me, but she basically said to me, I've got this horse. And I mean, they, they were uh, non-horsey people as well. They just had a girl that wanted to ride. And they decided to go and buy this horse. And they'd, they'd gone to a dealer's yard and they bought this horse for a thousand pounds. And they showed me the video and the video, I, I think it might have been sedated in all honesty. But um, at the time, what they bought, they thought was okay. They just wanted a happy hacker, basically. Something mm. for the daughter to ride and mum to toddle around on. Um and of course, when they got him home, he turned into something completely different. They couldn't get a bridle on him. He was bucking people off. And they had had several people come to write him professionals. And he would just, he just wasn't having any of it. So um, she said, I've got this horse. Come and have a look. Um, and initially she said, I think it's a bit far because obviously they wanted to stay in touch with this horse. Yeah. It was going to be a, 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 like a lone horse to me. Mm. Um but eventually they, they rang back and said, no, we, we want to give it a go. So we drove five, I think it was five and a half hours at Chilgis to get there. Saw him, rode him, liked him. And I mean, he wasn't anything special. He's not something you'd have gone, blimey, that, that's, 
that's the business. That's mm. what I have. He was he was a bit underweight. I managed to do a little bit of sort of flat work on him, and he seemed to be had had sort of something about him, but I wasn't sure. And he wasn't jumping particularly big. He was probably jumping about two foot, and that's probably all he had jumped. So we got him back. Decided to go with it, and I don't know. It's something. There was something about him. I thought I, I want to do this, and I thought, well, you might go novice, you might not. You don't know. Mm. So got him. I uh, went and started some BE with him after a little bit of getting used to him because obviously he wasn't easy. Um, he had his funny ways, but he could jump, and I think that's where I managed to get the bucking sort of channeled into another area into the jumping <laughs> to get rid of the buck um so we went be we literally did one pre-novice which is be 100 now mm. um and then i just thought well he's i mean he was 12 when i got him a 12 year old that had pretty much done nothing it probably been passed around dealers yards that sort of thing so 12 year old with issues so i thought oh we'll see how far we can go so i just kept going right well let's just do the next level let's do the next level so we did some novices and he was getting placed regularly. Um, and then I was like, right, well, let's give it go intermediate. Yeah, I did intermediate. The first one he came, he came sixth in his first intermediate. Oh, wow. Um, and then it just went from strength to strength. He was winning intermediates um, and getting placed. And we just, I was just like, right, let's just see how far we can go. And I set a plan. And I was like, well, he's 12. So he's got limited time. You know, it's not like getting a baby where you think, well, I'll keep it at novice for so many years and produce it slowly. He was 12 and we were running out of, you know, years. So mm. I thought, well, well, let's just push him because mentally, physically, he was strong enough. Mm. And he was game. So I just set a plan and we just went through to advanced. At his first restart, he came 10th at Bramham. Then we went to Burley and then Badminton. Oh my goodness! And you did yeah. it. We did it. We did it. It was how it long? Happened, how, um, how long? God, it was literally under two seasons. We went from wow. one hundred level to four star, oh and gosh. it was all yeah. It was fast, and it was quite fast. And I wouldn't do that with any other horse. It was just pure circumstance that he was older horse. Um, you know, you, you couldn't spend too much time. Um, so it was always <laughs> poor thing. It was always about. Um, right he's going advanced next week what's he got to learn okay we've got two weeks to learn half past we've got two weeks to learn this we got um it was always like he was always a little bit obviously behind in his schooling mm. because I had to fast track him um but yeah it, it was an exciting journey interesting how he accepted it both mentally and physically um obviously he had the the you know his bones were strong enough his muscles were strong enough but the headspace for him to be able to take on all that new information all the time is is incredible oh yeah he he i mean he was um a tough cookie he was difficult to handle on the ground he was awful on the lorry i had to get him a mirror for the in the lorry i mean he had the a massive character um i mean a number of times he got loose at events i remember at Longleat he got loose and we had 20 people trying to catch him and he was just outside the gates of the lions. And, you know, he was a character. <laughs> if you left him on, on his own in the lorry, he would kick the crap out of the lorry. Um, you know, he wasn't easy. And I think he just needed, like me, he just needed a cause and a, a mission. And I mm. think he relished in that challenge. And, I mean, he was awesome cross-country. Awesome. He would just be like, I'd be there, um, pray for rain because 
he would just go through any mud and I'd be like, make the cross country really difficult. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think he he ter- he sort of he blossomed from it. I think. So, so what happened after badminton? Did he did he go back to his? I mean, she must have been thrilled. The owner. Oh yeah, I mean they they didn't even dream of owning a four star horse. I mean they they were just simple people that happened to buy a horse. And I mean he was well bred. Um, he must have slipped through the net. He was by Dutch Courage. Oh, really? Yeah, he was the last um, foal of Dutch Courage. So he was called Harvey's Courage. Oh. Um, so, yeah, they were over the moon. But um, obviously they weren't at all rich either like we weren't. Um, so um, after badminton, they decided they wanted to sell him, unfortunately. Oh, no. So, I yeah, I lost the ride. So, where, where did he go? Have you seen, Did you see him? Did you follow his journey? He went to Harry Mead for a bit. Wow. Um, and then he ended up with, uh, to be honest, I didn't follow him that much because it really broke my heart for him to see him go. But um, and then I think he went to a young rider and then I read in the horse and hound two, three years ago that he'd had a heart attack and died in the field oh, at no. 21, I think. Bless yeah. him, but what an incredible life. Yeah, yeah, he did. We just have a nice life. <laughs> <laughs> so after badminton, what what have you done since then? What have I done since then? Um, well, after we um, well to get to that level, I'm sure you're aware, um, costs mm. thousands, and I mean mm. thousands. You need a, a lot of financial um, backing. Um, very luckily, my mother, because I mean, my parents were separated eventually, um, so it was just me and my mum, my sister on her own. Um, my mum naughtily and I wasn't entirely aware of what she was doing but um, she remortgaged her house several times to be able to get to that level mm. um, to invest into that horse because obviously the owners didn't have any money so they they couldn't pay him to go to badminton and things like that so it was all off um, my mum's back really so after badminton my mum just sort of said well sorry but we've run we you know it's it's run out Mm-hmm. So and she says, I'm going to have to sell the house. Um, I'm going to have to sell the yard because we had a little yard um, where we'd managed to put some stables and a little school up mm-hmm. um, for me to use. Um, so basically it was like, well, you've lost your four-star horse and you've lost your facilities and pretty much things are going to change, really. So um, to be honest, I didn't do a lot for a bit after badminton um, because, again it's all about horsepower and we couldn't afford to replace that horse. So, I mean, I did get, um, a few other horses here and there and I did sort of get back to sort of, I pushed them up to, to sort of intermediate one star, two star level, but it just didn't seem the same after that. When you've put that much effort and that focus into getting to that place and suddenly it all just is gone. I don't know. It kind of just affects you mentally really, doesn't it? Um, well, it's heartbreaking and and yeah. I, I don't know if y- you've got so much push and so much drive and and um all this adrenaline is going through you all the time to to succeed and then to have all that taken away it it could be depressing I wouldn't be surprised if you suffered a bout of depression with that <laughs> probably yes yeah. I, I probably was um and then, and then added to that, I separated from my ex-husband as well, exactly around that time. Oh, no. Um, so I had that as well. And um, 
he was not not a particularly nice person <laughs> um he was quite abusive as well to me so i was dealing with that as well and um and i actually left him when all this happened so um i suppose it kind of woke me up a little bit and i was like well it's time to just draw a line under everything and and move forward really mm. um so i think the whole mental issue of dealing with that um the horse the finance everything um because obviously I was competing at four star under quite a lot of mental pressure from obviously I had the relationship side of my ex-husband I had the pressure that I knew my mum had pretty much put everything into this horse to get me there mm. and then I had the pressure of the owners obviously wanting to do well and expectations so I think after that I just crashed a bit mm. and just thought well and so I, I, I decided to not vent anymore for a bit. I just thought, well, I'll just go do something else, and I went show jumping instead. For oh, a bit. did you? So you didn't, you didn't go away from horses completely. Just change discipline. No, no. I just, um, obviously, I, I couldn't give up horses completely because they, they're my life, really. Um, but I just went show jumping, and I had some, I had some half decent horses, you know, and I sort of, sort of got them out, fox hunted that sort of thing. Um, but they were all, you know, difficult, again, difficult horses. So, mm. um, Emma, where did you find the money to, to get these other horses? If you've lost everything, it can't have been easy. Did you have another job at the time? Um, yeah, I had a job. Um, and then I did a bit of buying and selling just to sort of try and get a bit of money together. And then finally, um, after, I think I showed up for about three, three years maybe. And then we did some work for the Olympics. Really? Me and, my other half, me and my other half, yes. we. My other half's an engineer, and we got a commission to do all the signs for the Olympics 2012. Oh, wow. So what, did you design them? Well, we didn't design them. They basically, they need, it was actually the sign bases for what okay. the signs would go in. So anything you saw where it was like to the loo, to the burger, <laughs> they wanted the bases, and they were all wooden. Hmm. So we literally had to make oh, something ridiculous, like 4,000 bases for the signs for the Olympics that went to London. And we had like three months to do it in. Gosh. So we worked literally um, when we were ridiculous hours, we were working through the night. I was on the spray gun, spraying the black. <laughs> we had like a load of people just banging them together. And, um, and so from that money that I got from that, I bought Nelson, who I've got now. Um, and he, I bought him as a three-year-old. And he's probably... I bought them as three because I thought when they're three, they're a little bit cheaper because <laughs> they've done nothing. Um, so I managed to buy him and then I, I've literally been producing him now. Um, so I got him in 2012 after the Olympics um, and he's now eight. Mm -hmm. So I've been producing him and he's just gone intermediate this year. Wow. Oh my goodness. And what breed is he? He is... Um, oh, being attacked by a fly. Um, he is Sal Francais stallion out wow. of an Irish mare, Irish Be sports horse mare. Beautiful. Mm. And do you have instructing now? Do you have do you have coaches? Do you have that support that you didn't have before? Um, I do. I do do have lessons here and there. Um, but mainly I just I just do it my, myself really. Um, I just now and again I just like someone to like eyes on the ground to say. You're doing this, you're doing that, sit up, sort your hands out. You know, your bad habits you pick up when you're on your own. 
but mostly I, I I just do it myself right again I'm not I've not got any money behind me I whatever I make goes to the horses really mm. um so if I'm going to afford a lesson I'll go and have one just for a tune-up and then I'll get along but again with the horse I've got now he's not he's not normal at all really um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not normal He's um, he's eighteen hands for a start. Wow! Which for a vent horse is pretty on the higher end of extreme. Mm. Um, he has he, he's talented, but he has a his his nickname's Crazy Legs <laughs> because he's so big. He and he's getting better, but in the beginning he didn't know what to do with his legs, <laughs> so they would literally just flail around in all directions. In the, he's got this ridiculous knee action. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> Um, and it looks lovely when it's um, going nicely, but if he gets a bit tense, it can get a bit choppy. But and and then so I've really struggled with him because of his size, like his canter, which canter was ridiculous. As a three and four year old, he could barely canter three strides because he was so big and unbalanced. Mm. So it's taken me years just to again get him going the way I wanted him because he just wasn't physically strong enough mm. to to hold himself together. And I shied away again from instructors a bit because the bit the bits and bobs I did get with people I didn't feel again were right for him it was it was always about make him do it or or chase him with a stick you know to make him collect you know and then that would just make him worried and you know yeah would make him tense but it sounds to me like you haven't had the right coaches because my no, coach maybe. would never, she would never, ever say that. She would never say chasing with a stick. She would never say it's all about the horse being comfortable and relaxed and taking your time with them. And, you know, so it sounds like maybe you just haven't found the right suitable coach for your personality and the horse's personality. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. And I mean, I have had some useful bits here and there for him where I say, like, okay, I'll take that bit, that that works, but that bit I'm going to leave. But again, mm. I think that's when you're a rider, that's something you need to do. Because I think, I mean, everyone's always got, and you're always, always learning. Everyone's got something else to throw into the box. But I think you have to be of an opinion where try everything, but then take bits from it that you, you want to keep for yourself mm. that works for you particularly. Because obviously everyone's got ideas. Some will be right, some won't be wrong. But I just, I've always been a little bit careful about where I take him because um, it's taken me so long to get him now to a point where he's just starting to really see what he is now. Um, that I don't want it to, any hiccups, if that makes sense. That, that, that sounds like a lot like fear from your point as well, though, that you're afraid, you're so used to working by yourself you're afraid to take on other people, apart from the fact that you haven't had the right coaches anyway, but also the fear is that, oh, what if it ruins them? Um, and my worry yeah. for people listening is that most people need a coach. You need advice. You need to take on that help because I, if it was me, if I didn't have my coach, and I am very lucky that I've got an incredible one that understands my craziness. And, you know, when I'm crying because it's windy and she wants me to do no stirrup work or go bareback and I'm going, I can't do it because I'm afraid she understands that. There are many coaches around here that would 
probably reduced me to tears and made me feel awful because I felt like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. So I think finding the right coach is important. What I don't want is for people to go out there and go, oh, I can do this myself and I don't need to listen to anybody. Oh, no, 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 completely not. Do not get the wrong idea. I think um, the reason why I specifically with, with this horse is because he is quite extreme Um and because obviously I, I've got to a point now where I do know what I'm doing. You know, I've done four star. Mm. I've had training and input for some top top training when I was doing the Young Riders. And obviously when I was doing the four star, I got on um, like the development programs where you had access to training to Yogi Bresna, you know, all, all the top Olympic trainers, things like that. So I've had a lot, lot, a lot of input now. And, and so I think I know, although it's a bit, like you say, it's dangerous to going a little bit on my own with this particular horse but I feel that I know enough for the level he's at you know yeah. sort of, he's just pushing through to intermediate that I I think until he gets to a level where he's established enough where I'm ready for things maybe just to push push the boundaries a little bit with him um, and I mean I have had a lot of input into him I just I'm a little bit more wary um with him because he's 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 just he's just a little bit unusual in the fact that he's um, he's an eighteen hand horse, but he's got a thoroughbred brain. Um, so he's very sharp. He gets very anxious. Mm. You have to be very specific about your training. Um, he does struggle, and because he struggled with his cancer himself, he then gets quite anxious about it because I think he feels quite pressured that he's got to hold the cancer. Mm. And I just so I've kind of maybe protected him a little bit. Um, in that I I didn't I wanted to get everything to a point, and then I can go right now. He's he's ready. But to... that's so lovely because you haven't pushed him. You haven't pushed no. him too hard where he's he can't accept it himself because he feels pushed into it. You've let him work it out himself, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I mean, now he's <clears throat> now he's got to eight. Now he's is a completely different animal, and he's now getting physically mature. And obviously I have all the physio help and things like that. Um, because he's so big, I'm always overcautious about when I run him and his joints and things like that. Mm. Um, so I, I have had a lot of input. Um, so no, anyone out there, don't, don't be stubborn. Don't do it. Don't do it entirely <laughs> on your own. You do need, you do need the help and the guidance and things. But um, also if some people don't have that access to trainers, and things like that because they, they can't afford it or they're in the wrong part of the country or um and so sometimes when you're in that situation I think you've got to think outside the box um a little bit but mm. then you there's so much more things on the internet now mm. you know you've got Facebook you've got you've got these dress online dressage videos you've got the horse TV, hour, horse hour. <laughs> we've got a full education hub on the website for advice with videos and pictures and veterinary advice for that exact reason i wanted to build a hub of advice and information where anybody can access it you know you don't have to pay for it it's totally free and it's all advice from people who have been there done it got the t-shirt like yourself because I do, I really would love um, horses and riding and the equestrian world to be so accessible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it is so much more accessible now. Um, you know, there's so much at your fingertips, you just got to get on a laptop now. 
Yeah. And I mean, and you can go go to the shows, go and watch people, go mm-hmm. and listen and learn. But you, you pretty much like say so you got to be a sponge, mm-hmm. like you said, you're a sponge. Just absorb everything possibly can, um, and then and then you'll find your the, what works for you, obviously, as a person. Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for not just sharing your story, but being so open about it. That's okay. (laughs) If you had any advice, what would you give to um, yourself back then from the little girl that just desperately wanted to achieve? And um, yeah, what what advice would you give to yourself? I would probably advise... um... Gosh, that's quite a hard one, really. Um, I would probably have said maybe be a little bit more open Hmm. and a little bit maybe more approachable in some ways because I think because I always felt um, a little bit of an outsider and because, um, like you said, you were a bit bullied. Hmm. I was bullied when I was younger. I think I put up quite a lot of boundaries back then um Mm. and I think I could have been a little bit more open a little bit more forthcoming um about things which might uh, have opened up maybe a few other avenues I don't know it might not have it might have done um but I would have just said then don't don't shut yourself down in that when you're in that mission you do too much (laughs) that's really interesting for two people that have had very similar experiences with bullying not obviously I haven't gone on to be a four-star rider but but my way of handling it was to be extremely open so I just wanted to be everybody's friend wherever I went I was like you know just wanted to be nice and da, 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 da. but apparently that was quite full-on as well so uh, it's kind of finding a happy medium isn't it really where you want to protect yourself um, but also you don't want to not talk to anybody because then you don't have any chance of making friends. Um, but then don't put yourself out there too much either because then you just you, you get hurt. But I think that from what I've got from your story is that one, you can do it. You know, if, yep. you, if you are determined um, and you do put in the work and you do you don't let the knockbacks keep you down then you can do it and and two is that you had immense support from your family and to have a really good strong support network maybe not financially but somebody to talk to somebody to be there when times are hard when it's you know you're not making it to the next level or you haven't jumped so well I think that support network is key as well and three to find a coach that you get on with and you might have to try 10 coaches before you find the right one you don't have to stick with a coach just because they're a coach and just because they've trained at certain levels I think a coach is much better one that understands you understands your horse and that you really gel with Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, I do a lot of instructing now myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, and I, I kind of, because of what I've taken from being instructed myself, I I do take a point that I do like to think outside the box, find another angle to whatever's going on, mm. and I'm always quite sympathetic to what's financially available to that person as well, which maybe another instructor might not. You know, they might say, oh, you need this you need that you know they might not have access to that brand new saddle that brand new bit or whatever or you know and I think 
it is about finding the right instructor and someone that understands you, understands your horse. Um, and, and also someone that's prepared to help you mentally as well. Mm. Because psychology is oh, there's a big factor on that when you're riding your horse. It's always about doubting yourself, doubting your abilities, doubting your horse and, and knowing that you're, you're, you're on the right path. Um, and I find that's helped me in my, when I'm instructing a lot. Um, but I don't know if all my pupils will agree with that. But. <laughs> <laughs> so how can we get in contact with you, Emma? Are you on Twitter? Um, I'm not on Twitter because I still haven't figured out what Twitter's <laughs> all about. Um, but I'm on Facebook. Um, and I've got a training page on Facebook as well. What's that training page? That is called Emma Edwards Eventing and Training. Wow, I can't wait to see what you get up to over the next couple of years then. Please stay in touch. Yeah, we will do, we will do. Thanks so much, Emma. See you. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can catch up with previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk or you can listen on iTunes and Acast too. If you're on iTunes, it would be great if you could write a little review. It really helps us stay in the iTunes chart. So thank you very much for your support and thank you for listening. While you're on our website, you can check out all the events that have been going on. It was Burley this weekend, the Land Rover Burley Horse Trials and the lovely Oliver Townend one. He did a great job. So you can catch up on videos and pictures. On Twitter this week, you can win four tickets to the Horse of the Year show because how would you like a VIP backstage tour? I think it would be amazing. You get to go on the Thursday when uh, the dressage is going on. You'll see Charlotte Desjardins. You get to see the stables and just slap up the atmosphere because it's such an immense experience. So if you'd like to win four tickets, a group for you and three of your friends to go to the Horse of the Year show in October then head over to our Twitter page at Horse Hour. Thanks so much for sharing your stories, your journeys and your pictures with us. Don't forget to include hashtag Horse Hour. I hope you have a good week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag Horse Hour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.